Welcome to another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. I am John Schmelk, joined by Jeff Fiegels, continuing to socially distance ourselves. Both of us are in our basements. Fiegels in the Fiegels palatial estate that I had the chance to see a couple weeks ago, which was fun. <laughs> okay. Me and my humble bunker, which is fine. Very good. <laughs> no, I'm just, yes. I'm just kidding. Fiegels has a, he has a very nice house. I'm just teasing. Thank Though you. I got to tell you, you should have seen Tatino's house. We can talk about that offline, but Ooh, it was something. <laughs> Palacious Palace, too? There we go, right? I mean. Sure. That's what you can call it if you want. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm just, I'm, all I'm doing <laughs> is picturing giant stuff everywhere in that house for some reason. I don't know, but I feel, I just feel like there's. Honestly, surprisingly enough, Jeff, there wasn't as much giant stuff as I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really was, which I was surprised by. I, all, all kidding aside, everyone, I, I got to see everybody's houses. Everybody has a, has a nice little home. So, and everyone got to sp gets to spend time with their families trying to get uh, all this work done. So, Feigs, uh, you last spoke to the folks last Thursday and Friday. I haven't talked to them since uh, middle of last week. So, we have some signings that are new. So, let's kind of work backwards here. I have to read my usual spiel before we get going. Sure. And that is all the agreements we were mentioning on the show today are not official. They are all only according to the reports we attribute for each player, and all of them are contingent upon the players passing a physical whenever that will take place in the future. So, Jeff, we had two moves yesterday. Let's start there, then we'll kind of work our way backwards a little bit. We have questions from the fans. We have a surprise, and later in the, later in the show, in about 25 minutes, we will have Ron Higgins, who covers the LSU Tigers, to talk some LSU football prospects, all 8,000 of them that are coming There is out. a lot of them. There's there is a lot definitely, of them. Yeah. Yes. So, we'll, for Eagles, we will knock on all of those, absolutely. So, uh, let's get down to business very quickly and first talk about the Giants' agreement from yesterday. The Giants and free agent running back Deion Lewis reached an agreement on a one-year contract, according to multiple reports. The agreement is contingent on Lewis passing his physical, which will take place on a date yet to be determined. Obviously, former Eagle, former Patriot, former Titan, kind of a complimentary running back, about 5'8", 195, good receiver out of the backfield. Jeff, yeah. your thoughts? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there is that's how they're going to use him. Uh, receiver out of the backfield. And listen, he's going to come in, maybe get 150 carries this season to uh, when you, when Saquon is a little bit tired. But I think that Jason Garrett's going to be, you know, I think he's going to come up with some nice plays with both these guys in the lineup because they both can catch the football. The other where, the other place you're going to see him is on special teams. He's, he's, he's a kickoff returner. Um, so I think you'll see him there. Yeah, and he had a really nice season for the Titans a couple years ago. Had a career-high 50-plus catches. His best year with the Patriots was his final year there as a runner. He had over 800 rushing yards, over yeah. 150 carries. Uh, played in two Super Bowls. He played in the one against the Falcons, in which the Patriots came back and won. Also played in the one against the Eagles, where the Patriots obviously yeah. uh, were not able to hold on to that game. But not a fault of their offense, obviously, <laughs> in that game. Not his fault. Uh, no, absolutely not. The Eagles just simply uh, scored too many points against a Patriot defense that struggled, and uh, Nick Foles just had a heck of a ball game. But how do you think, Jeff, and this is interesting, mm -hmm. how do you think the Giants will use him in, um, in along with, alongside Saquon yeah. Barkley? Well, first of all, I think, John, this is a one-year deal for him. So I, you, know, you and I were texting back and forth a little bit yesterday about this, and I see no, no problem with this signing for many reasons. Okay, And the first and foremost, I've been trying to tell people this. I was explaining this to Lance last week and Paul. I believe that Joe Judge, and you probably get tired of the, of the New England Patriot guys coming in here, but come on. The New England Patriots are the New England Patriots. They win football games, right? They know how to build football teams up there. And by the way, Joe Judge was part of a lot of that. 
And I feel like these are kind of guys that are good for the locker room, good culture, and they're also good spot players. So I think that Deion Lewis is going to be a guy like he's going to be, like I just said, they're going to use him out of the backfield as a small receiver, okay, running back. And I think, talking a few weeks ago, I think you and I were discussing this, like the Eagles have Boston, right? I want I want a guy like this, and, and they found him. And I think they'll use him that way. And I also think you're going to get him a little bit on special teams. Joe Judge, special teams guy, has seen him kick off return and also maybe catch some punts. I don't know, but we're, that's how I think they're going to use him. So I guess, Jeff, my question for you would be this very simply. Do yeah. you think they're going to take Barkley off the field on some of these third downs to get him in the game? Or are well, they going to give him a full series to just be the running back? How do you think they're going to use them in conjunction? Because to me, Barkley's maybe biggest strength is his third down ability. I yeah. want him on the field on third down. So I'm trying to figure out how those two guys mix together. I, and I agree with you. I, I'm trying to figure it out too. Maybe 150 carries might be a little bit too much when you talk about 16 games, 10 a, 10 a game is 160. That's a lot now, right? 10 a game? Sure. So I feel like they're going to try. I, I think that he's more going to be there for um, some creativity in the offense. And I think he's going to also be there on some big plays, you know, Saquon does one of his 50-yard runs down the sideline and needs a few plays off, put him in, do that kind of thing. Um, so maybe he gets, I don't know, six to eight plays a game somewhere around in there. But I think they will try to get both of them on the field at the same time. I really do. I don't think they want to take Saquon off the field and put Dion in there. I really don't. Right, he's someone you can split out wide. Obviously, Saquon Barkley is someone you can split out mm -hmm. wide. So uh, just something to kind of keep an eye on yeah. uh, moving forward, how they decide to use these You know what, Sean? You could do this, too. You could, you could split out Saquon out wide and keep him in the backfield and hand the ball off to him. Right, I mean, yeah, sure. he definitely could get that type of, of production out of him. But I think that he's a guy that Joe Judge is familiar with. He knows how to. And I said to this to you yesterday. I think a lot of these guys that you're seeing that are coming in from the Patriots, these are these are not unknown for Joe Judge and his and his coaches. They understand their work ethic. They understand their character. They understand how they how they uh, exist in the locker room amongst football personnel, things like that. So this is important to him. And they're older guys. You need some of those older guys to really help this young team. No question about it. And I think when you take a look at it, Jeff, um, I think the question you have to ask yourself now, is Lewis guaranteed a spot? Because last year with Tennessee, his role was question. severely reduced with Derrick Henry and Wayne Goldman still on this team. They brought back Eli Penny. You know, and I frankly think you can use all three guys because I don't mm -hmm. think... Deion Lewis's skill set necessarily eliminates the stuff Goldman to do is more of a between the tackles type of runner. Yep. And again, what have we been what have we been stressing? And Joe Judge has said all all along he's been here. This is competition. So there's going to be some good competition at that running back position. And to answer your question, it's a one-year deal. So no, it doesn't guarantee that he will be here, John. You have to see what happens. Yeah, and he's, he's going to be 30 years old later in the year. So mm -hmm. you know what happens to running backs when they get around that 30-year-old mark? So we'll see how much he's got left in the tank. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and we have a couple more signings to get to, Jeff. But I want to kind of talk about a broader thing that you kind of mentioned, too, and build on it. Because mm -hmm. I thought about this more after me and you texted back and forth yesterday. I wonder how much some of the signings we're seeing here and them going after a lot of the guys that the offensive and defensive coaches and Joe Judge as the head coach yep, are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Are they purposely bringing these guys in knowing that they're not going to have a ton of times with these players to install their systems? So they want guys in the building that 
know what they're doing. Uh, because frankly, Jeff, we, we might not see these guys in, in the building yeah. until June. If So normally they'll have three or four different repeat installations of the offense. This year we might have two. We might only have one depending yeah. on how this goes. So how much do you think that's playing a factor in deciding to bring a lot of these guys they're familiar with because they simply might not have much time with the guys this offseason? Well, Lance and I were using the word familiarity, right? Last week we were talking about this, and I think this kind of lends itself to this conversation. It's exactly what you're talking about. It, now, listen, Joe, Joe Judge is not an offense or defensive coordinator, but there is some familiarity with Deion Lewis, okay, and Nate Ebner, special teams guys, right? So he understands his special teams are going to be, they're not going to be exactly like they were in New England because, you know, you, T-Mac and Quinn are going to run their special teams, but there'll be a lot of influence from Joe Judge. So yes, there. I think that's a part of it. Um, I look at a guy like Blake Martinez, a guy that, we, that the Giants supposedly are going to sign in free agency. Um, that is a familiarity with, okay, Patrick Graham. Had, he was a linebacker coach in Green Bay. So... I think a lot of this has to do with what is the, I guess, the nature of the beast right now and what we are in. We're in this cycle, an unknown of when people are going to start coming back. So it's important that they have some familiarity with the system and not only this office X's and O's, John, but just how things are run in the building, how practices are run, how meetings are done. You know what I'm talking about? Like this is like leadership within. And these are the type of guys that they went out and got that, that they know that they'll they will come in and instill this into the into the players that are here now. Yeah, that Martinez siding, according to Mike Garofolo of NFL Network, it is contingent upon him passing a physical. Mm -hmm. A couple other signings, Jeff, I want to get to. Um Let's go Colt McCoy first. I didn't have a chance to talk about that okay, one. I'm not sure, sure. if you did. Uh, look, I, I just think it, it's a good guy to have there to compete with Alex Tanney. I yep. don't think we know what the philosophy is going to be with this staff on whether or not you keep one or two backup quarterbacks, whether it be a two-man quarterback room, three-man quarterback room. But, look, I think we all know Colt McCoy – like he he's almost like your central casting backup quarterback, right? That no that, that you can just yeah. put in there and you can be comfortable with him doing his job and doing it well. Well, I think that again, we keep using this word familiarity. Jason Garrett is familiar with Colt McCoy, right? From a sense of the NFC East, they've seen he's played against him. Um that he actually, I believe, went up to Dallas and won a game there for the for the Redskins. So I think that that's kind of one thing where when you have a guy like Jason Garrett who's been around Colt McCoy for a good six years, he understands the type of player he is. He also understands that he if he's ever you don't you know, you hope this doesn't happen. But if Daniel Jones ever gets hurt and he doesn't is not able to play for a few weeks, you have a lot of confidence in Colt McCoy because he's been a starter before. He's been in, has a lot more starts than uh, Alex Tanney does. So from an experience factor, I think there's a comfortability that comes with that also. No question about it. And look, he's an experienced backup, and he'll compete with Alex Tanney, and we'll see how they handle that 100%. quarterback room, which will be interesting. Yep. Your gut feeling, Jeff, will they carry two or three quarterbacks? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I feel like with the addition of the two extra players this year, obviously one of them is going to be that offensive lineman. Yep. Um, they would still be able to keep a third quarterback up, up, um, with the old system, right? So maybe they could carry three, but my gut tells me that they'll carry two until they have to go get another one in case there's some injury or something. Yeah, generally in Dallas, Jason Garrett kept two, but I okay. don't think that's Well, then I think that that's probably what they'll go. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to be his decision up here either. I think that's going to be a Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman decision. So we'll see what happens. A couple other moves, Jeff, I want to get to. Mm -hmm. Corey Coleman, 
uh, have reached has reached an agreement with the Giants, according to Jordan Renan of ESPN. Good for him. Um, contingent on a physical, and of course, that's the important part of this. Former first-round pick, 15th overall, Jeff, back in 2016. He had a really nice offseason last year after playing with the game, the Giants for eight games in 2018. Tours yeah. ACL on one of the first training camp practices at the end of July. And now he's a guy that is coming back from an ACL. He could be a kick returner or a punt returner. Uh, mostly a kick returner. He has speed outside. He ran a 4-3-7 at his Baylor Pro Day, so he has speed to burn. And this is another guy that can compete and, and bring a little versatility as a receiver and a special teams player. You hit the nail on the head with all those. I mean, think about this. 2016 is not a, you know, a long, long time ago. A first-round draft pick, um, good speed, good physical player. You know, We've seen him in training camp. We've seen him in games. Um, he's a guy that will attack the football, and he's also a guy that can block, which, by the way, um, the receivers for the Giants, they need to block because Tyke Tobert, the coach, just they have, to, they have to block. That's just it. It's mandatory. He's a good one. Um, and listen, we don't know how players come back one year away from the ACL, right? So usually it's that second year that they get the most production, but some guys are different. He's had... This is, you know, when you think about John, he, he tore his ACL at the first practice in training camp. So that was July of last year. Um, he's had a lot of time to rehab. As you, as you know, we've seen him in the building. Um, but I think he brings a nice, good veteran leadership, and I think he'll compete. And I think that the Giants, have, uh, they're just happy to have him back. Remember, he's just going to be 26 years old yeah, in July. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. So he's still a very young player. And I'm looking at his pro football reference page. He is one of the coolest, and I'm not even I'm not making fun of him. I really think it's a cool name. He's one of the coolest middle names I've ever seen. Corey, what is it? Defelius. D-E-F-E-L-I-O-U-S. Defelius. That is a great middle name. Defelius. It's a cool name. I'm all about that. And I think Jeff <laughs> put that aside. And I, th I think when you take a look at this now, you know, they're really prioritizing special teams play with a lot of these moves. You guys talked about mm -hmm. uh, the Nate Ebner move. Last week, the Giants agreed to terms with special teamer Nate Ebner on a one-year deal. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the agreement is contingent on Ebner passing his physical, which will take place on a date yet to be determined. And he's a special teams ace. We talked about Corey Coleman as a returner. Deion Lewis has experience as a kick returner, as you mentioned previously. The Giants also had brought back Corey, uh, Cody Core. On a two-year contract, we talked about David Mayo reaching terms on an agreement. Wow. So these are all special teams guys, and especially Core and Ebner. These are those, like, they're not just special teams players. They're like star special teams players yeah. that are going to give you field position. So just take that from a punter special teams perspective no, no and the type of impact those guys can have on not just special teams, but the, the game and the team in general. Well, you look at Hamilton and Michael Thomas were the two guys that were they were they were studs on special teams for the Giants last year. And by right? the way, real quickly, Antonio Hamilton has signed elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas is still a free agent. Okay, so they you know so I I look at it's the changing of the guard in that sense where they bring in Ebner and they re-sign Cody Core. Those are two guys that I think that are special teams aces. Here's the thing about special teams and why Joe Judge is doing this, in my opinion, John. Um, we talk about winning three phases of a game offense defense special teams all the time if you know that you can go out and build a number one special teams unit you're going to have a good chance of winning that on a week-to-week -week basis all you need to do is go out and try to win one other of those three areas of the game you're going to win some games but i think you you have a little more confidence that you can build a good special teams unit because by the way the giants in the last couple of years have been one of the top special teams 
units in the league. So there's not a lot to do other than improve on what's already there for that for that phase of the game. And that's why I think they're doing what they're doing because I feel like they can win that phase of the game on a consistent basis, which will help them maybe win a couple extra games just because of big plays on special teams. No question about it. And, Jeff, I want to get to a question here from a fan. Uh, this one from Philip. I was glad to see we re-signed Cody Core. Any word on Michael Thomas? Do you think, Jeff, he's a guy they could still bring back as depth at safety and also a special teams player? Or do you think the additions of Ebner, Core, and Corey Coleman makes that less likely? Your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's an opportunity for maybe at the that when we see what happens at the safety position through the draft and even if they do anything else in free agency and what they're going to do with all this handful of guys that they've been trying to move around. Okay, I mean, where's Love? Is he going to be? Is he going to be that safety? Is he going to be that? What is what? Where is he going to be? So I think it is. It is. It's interesting. He hasn't signed anywhere, um, and that's kind of one of those things. We'll wait and see, but. Obviously, you couldn't go wrong bringing him back maybe on a veteran deal and um, depending on what your depth is at that position. But you, you certainly know what he can do at special teams. And by the way, a few years ago, you know that he actually filled in, you know, remarkably at safety position and did well. So um, and again, John, too, I talked a little bit about these guys that, that the Giants are signing that are special teams guys. You know, they're, they're most, most of the time they're, they're playing special teams, but they can play other positions, too, in a pinch. And I would say it would be a pinch if some of these other guys would have to come in. But, you know, like a Cody Core, I mean, is he going to be a receiver? Probably not, right? He's going to play most of your special teams. But if he had to, he'll know the playbook to come in. Ebner is a safety, so we'll see what happens there. Right. That question was also sent in by Rich, so I want to make sure I get his name out there. Thanks, Rich. And, and then a, a follow-up. You have a lot more special teams questions, Jeff. It's it's, it's like your favorite time it's of the year. It's a third of the game. I know. Here we go. <laughs> what do you think about the Giants' long snapper position oh, sure. right now and where it stands in terms of Algic Rosas trying to get back to where he was a couple years ago? Well, I've, I've mentioned this. This is important because I feel like there's going to be a move there um, when it comes to the long snapper, whether it's a draft, somebody drafted or, or a free agent signing to compete with who was here last year. And I don't know his name. I should, but I don't. I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe, John, you can find it. We don't have a producer today to bring that up. But anyways, but there is going to be some competition there. Um, and I feel like just speaking with uh, Terrence uh, McGahee and Quinn this offseason talking about the whole operation. Um, you saw how Aldrich struggled last year when the snapping position kind of kind of took a turn for the worse. With Colin Zach. Holba, by the way, was there. It is Holba, yeah. Last year. So I feel like he's going to be you know in some competition. And um, but I will tell you that when you have all three of those phases working, snap, hold, and kick in harmony. You see the success that Aldrick Rosas has two years ago. Goes to the Pro Bowl, second team All-Pro, right? So I think when one of those are compromised, kind of what happened last year, um, and Zach Diossi will tell you this. He's told me, he says, it's just, it, just went, it just went south. Something happened. Um, injuries happen. Things in, in your mind happen. So get those three back on, or two of them at least, the snap and the hold, and then Aldrick is going to have a great year. And we'll see if they bring in competition at the place kicker position, too. Oh, you have which, to. Which, you know, I, and usually you do have two place kickers in place, but that's for spring. And right now there's no spring. So <laughs> who yeah, knows you how know they're going to handle that? Which, by the way, I mean, I, this is another day we can talk about this, but there's going to be a show. We've got to start talking about all this stuff because this is getting to the point now where, remember this, football players are creatures of habit. Yeah. 
Okay. And right now, just like the rest of us, we're going crazy in our homes, right? Because we're normally, I know you are, John, you're a workaholic. You're in, a, you're constantly going and now you're at home. You can't do anything. Well, football players are the same way. And, and we're like two weeks away from going back to work. And this is going to drive people crazy because by the way, none of the gyms are open. There's nothing that these guys can do. So this is a problem. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, my son, Zach, who, as you know, is at Rutgers right now, yeah. they have no off season. He's, um, you know, he, he had a, a backpack of books yesterday and put in his ba- a bunch of books in his backpack and was doing squats in the basement. I mean, these are the things you have to come up with. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'm surprised he didn't just put you on his shoulders. And do I, squats well, no, that no, way. I'm not going to let him do that. I'm too heavy. I'll probably break his back. So <laughs> <laughs> another question. This one comes in from JD. JD. With the addition of Fleming at right tackle, and by the way, I should read um, that, okay. for, that for people as well. The Giants have agreed to terms with offensive tackle Cameron Fleming. According to NFL Network's Mike Garofolo, the agreement is contingent on Fleming passing a physical at some point in the future. Um, with the, This is from JD again. With the addition of Fleming at tackle, do you see him getting the starting role from the start, or how do you think that will be... Um, impacted by the team, Jeff. And to me, mm-hmm. I think he ideally is in the role that he's always been in as a swing tackle, right? But right now, as we stand today, we do not have somebody as a starting right tackle for the Giants. So I think he will have a chance to compete with, of course, uh, Nick Gates, who's who's in-house, who, who did a pretty good job um, playing that position last year when he was given the opportunity, when Mike Remmers missed a couple games due to injury. And I think there'll be a chance to compete there, but uh, unless other people are added at the position, uh, I would be very surprised if we don't see a tackle added in the draft, whether it's that pick at four or, or second-round pick with a third-round pick. Uh, I think we're going to see some more people brought in for competition at that right tackle spot. 100%. I think that if you were to go into today and the, the games tomorrow, um, just from experience and knowing, again, the familiarity with a Jason Garrett offense from Dallas, um, he has – Cam Fleming has that familiarity. So I think that would probably put him as a starter. But I feel that the same way. I think there's going to be competition there. Um, they're going to draft somebody. As Paul calls them, the red chip guys, they're still there. They could be in the second round. And and I've told you this before. I think the Giants need to get up into the high th- – they need to get up in the third round. That pick in the third round is not good. I mean, it's there, but it's a compensatory pick. It's yeah. not – they need to get somewhere up there. Yeah, and by I the think- way, folks, but if, if, if you don't know, the Giants will pick at 36, which is their second-round pick. Then they don't pick again until, like, 99. Yes. So there's literally, like, two full rounds worth of picks between That's their second lot. and third-round picks. A lot of players go off the board between those two spots. And a lot of good players, yes. especially this year, right? I mean, there's some – and I feel like the Giants just have to somehow have to get in there. They got to get up there somehow to grab one of those. And maybe that's um, a run on a couple linemen. It could it be a right tackle? Could it be a center? Um, but, you know, right now the question from J.D. is that I feel like he is the starter until somebody comes in and unseats him because he's a, he's a free agent that, that they signed and brought him in here to play. And if he doesn't, listen, he has experience at every one of the positions on the offensive line. He's played them all. But obviously the main one for him is a swing tackle right and left. I'll be honest, I, I watched him today. I was going through some of his mm-hmm. film, and, you know, we've we watched the Cowboys a lot. He's started games against the Giants before, uh, sure. or at least played in games against the Giants. I yeah. think he has. On both ends, yeah, both but, sides. Yeah, so I watched him against the Jets and the Redskins last, last year for the Cowboys, Then I watched him in the 
AFC title because I wanted to see him at right tackle too. So I watched the AFC title game against Jacksonville and I watched the Super Bowl against the Patriots. To me, I thought he looked better on the left side, to be honest with you. I'm not sure if you go back to the earlier in his career, and I haven't looked at what he did in college and stuff. Just by watching him in both spots, he looked a little bit more natural playing left tackle to me. Now, that just might be because that's where he worked more with Dallas over the last two seasons. So mm-hmm. it, it's hard for me to tell. But look, he, he's a guy that you can go in there and the comparison I'll make if you look at his career arc and kind of what he's done before he got to the Giants, Jeff, he reminds me a lot of Marshall Newhouse, right? He's a guy that's played right tackle, played left tackle, has started a bit, but has been really a swing guy for most of his career. He can come in and and, and do what you need to do when you need him to play. That's the type of player that he is when I look at Cam Fleming. The other thing that I didn't mention, I mentioned it last week, but not on today's show, is that the one thing that I've heard about um, uh, Cam Fleming He's a good guy. He's from Stanford. He's smart. Yep. And he's a good locker room, good character. Again, guys that have familiarity with coaches. Jason Garrett knows this guy, right? Um, and also, by the way, he was also up in New England. So, I mean, Joe Judge knows him too. So there it is. There you have it. Right. So hopefully it, it's a player, again, that can help the Giants uh, just be a little bit more secure on that offensive line. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have our guest very soon. You'll hear a ring in the background because my home phone will literally ring to get Ron Higgins from the Tiger <laughs> Report um, on the air when he joins us here, uh, the uh, the Tiger Rag here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, but, Jeff, let, let's talk a little bit before he calls in because he should call in any minute here. Just overall – What's your general thought and takeaway from what the Giants have done so far? I love what they've done. It's actually been right on par with what I've wanted them to do. I've told you guys I wanted one big splash. You got it with Bradbury. That's it. And everything else, I want I want depth. I want guys that can come in here and compete and play. Um, not that we're going to break the bank and give these guys a bunch of money. They haven't done that. I think they've done uh, you know fiscally responsible, if you will. And I think they've done a good job so far. They're they're actually you know this is the time of need, right? This is free agency is where you fill your needs. Where the draft you fill more depth and kind of build your roster. I think they've done a nice job to this point. I think some of the guys that they have signed, I've really liked. I've liked them. I really have. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're still I, missing an edge guy, though. We haven't seen the edge guy. I mean, uh, fra- for, for the Fackrell. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that if he can get if you can get the production out of him that he had a couple years ago in in Green Bay, then you did find your guy, I guess, right? See, look, and this is how I've been kind of thinking about it. Oh, here we go, and now we got the phone ringing here, so that's wow, going right to be our guest right on time, exactly. All right, so um, this is the first time we're doing this, Ron. I'm set up in my basement, and we're going to hope it works. So we're going to bring in Ron Higgins here. He uh, covers the LSU Tigers. He's the editor of the Tiger Rag, and he joins us right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com. Ron, you got John Schmoke and Jeff Eagles. I'm hoping you can hear me. I can hear you. I hey, there we you. go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> success that's what we like to hear way Ron. to go schmelk i knew you could do it i really did occasionally even a blind squirrel finds an acorn feed that's so. right <laughs> that's right in that case it's worked yes. absolutely ron you know it's funny jeff and i we're, we're, we're looking at the the list of guys coming out of lsu and i feel like you can almost put together an entire nfl roster with all the guys coming out of lsu in the draft this year uh just to your recollection have you ever seen a group like this coming out of lsu in one year heading into the nfl uh, no, not not the, the, this complete offensive and defensive group. They've had years where there's been a lot of offensive guys and a lot of in the years where there's a lot of defensive guys, uh, but but never this mix of, of people and never this many potential first round draft choices. 
And okay, so I guess where we should start then, Ron, is with, with Joe Burrow. Were you as completely caught by surprise as everybody else with the season he had? And, and is he as good as uh, he seems to be? Uh, I was only surprised in the fact I didn't know what type of, I mean, how LSU's passing attack would look and what you know, they would add to it. Uh, I thought he was a good quarterback his first year here, considering that they put him in an offense that he'd never been in before with players he'd never really met until he got here, never really had a chance to throw with them very much, uh, had been in the shotgun most of his career, almost all his career, I mean, anywhere in high school and in college, and suddenly he had to get under center uh, a lot in his first year here and uh, do play action, do rollouts, and that was new to him. But, uh, yeah, he is as good as advertised. He, he, uh, he approached every uh, – he has – Pro quarterback uh, study tendencies. He, he studies the game hard. He processes stuff unbelievably quick. The line of scrimmage. LSU's offense was uh, uh, more intricate than people think uh, because uh, uh, it, one reason it seemed unstoppable was because receivers, uh, as receivers ran their routes, they would adjust their routes as they ran them to. Uh, and it was up to Burr to read the places they were adjusting to. And so everything was kind of done on the fly. The play was called, but everything was could be adjusted while the play was being run. Mm. And uh, he made very, very few bad throws or very few bad decisions all year. Uh, his accuracy was just ridiculous. Uh, when he got hot in game, it was like watching a three-point shooter that couldn't get his ball in uh, his hands quick enough. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, many times this year they would score in four and five straight possessions, touchdowns. Uh, you know, the Oklahoma uh, first half, you know, when he, uh, that was, uh, you know, what we saw all year, but not to that extent. Uh, very smart quarterback is, uh, understands where to go with the ball almost all the time, understands when to tuck the ball and run, uh, has vastly underrated scrambling ability, uh, and, and but you saw him in some of the games, the Georgia game and the Oklahoma game, where he made some scrambles that were just unbelievable. Uh, faster than you think when he bails out of the pocket. Uh, high character guy, and teammates loved him. Undisputed leader, tough guy. Uh, uh, if he had a fault his first year, was he tried to run over too many people rather than run around them. <laughs> well, one thing I did like about Joe Burrow, when you look at, I mean, the polar opposites as far as both season 18 and 19, right? I mean, he comes out in this year, but I think that, I think what happened is, is um, I believe that he is a good player. I believe that he's going to do very well in the National Football League because of his, of his acumen for the game. Um, the position calls for that. I think the coaching he had last year really helped him win a lot of football games and by design. Um, but, you know, Joe Burrow is a guy in the NFL that, you know, you wanted to come in, you want to have leadership skills, all the things that you have told us. Uh, we certainly saw him play all season. I, I tell you, he's got a good, seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders, and that's what you need in the National Football League for a quarterback is to be able to lead and have guys look up to you because of that work ethic and his smarts and all that goes along along with it. So I think that he's going to be a good one. John, I think you will probably agree with me here, but, you know, and most likely he's going to be going to the Bengals. Well, you know, that looks like he should be going there. 
uh, Joe doesn't really care where he goes. I know there, there was some question in the beginning, maybe before the combine, that whether he wanted to go. Joe Burr just wants to play football. That's all Joe Burr cares about. He wants to play football, and whenever he goes, he's going to be a really good quarterback. He's going to yep. be a really good teammate. He's going to be a really good locker room guy. He was beloved by all his teammates. They had total confidence in him. I'll give you an example of their confidence in him. At the at the at the semifinal game, they one night they uh with all they, both teams got together for a basketball shooting contest. Okay, three point contest, and each team had like five guys shoot. Okay, last okay, so Oklahoma shot and and uh, LSU shot their first four guys and 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 Burrow's last guy up because that's where they put him. That's where the teammates wanted that last guy up. And Burrow went out there and actually just drained just about everything and won the contest. Uh, and he did play high school basketball, but he hadn't shot, you know, ball in a long time. But his teammates are so confident that he can win anything he does. They put him last in that contest because they knew he'd, he'd win it for them. Uh, that's the way they felt about him. This team felt is every time that Joe Burr stepped on the field, they were going to win games. And it didn't, it didn't really matter this year. LSU's defense wasn't the best it's been for most of the season. Played well late, but every time, 62 percent of the time this year, when the opponent scored, LSU came back and scored a touchdown or a field goal. And, and they gave up 31 points to Texas in the second half, 28 points to Alabama in the second half, and LSU never trailed in either game, never trailed because wow. of him. I yeah, I'm sorry, Ryan. I want to jump over to uh, Caleb on Chason, and 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 that's a great story, unbelievable. Um, and you really do need that quality out of a quarterback. Uh, Caleb on Chason, he's a guy I think earlier in the year, maybe a little bit quiet, but uh, I'm getting through the late season tape, and he really took off towards the end of the year. I thought his, I thought he got kind of locked down by Andrew Thomas, and then maybe took off after that. Okay, can you just give me a feel for why you think it took Chason um, a, a little while to kind of explode here and become the type of you know top twenty prospect he has become as a redshirt sophomore? Yeah, I think he was trying to feel his way back a little bit the first part of the year. But he missed the entire previous year with a torn ACL. Uh, was he a little bit hesitant at the start of the year? Maybe so. It just seemed like the, the explosion wasn't there. It seemed like he was getting, you know, too locked up uh, against people. I mean, against uh, you know, offensive linemen. But he really, he really played his best. Uh, toward the end of the year, and it's best against the, the best uh, the best team on their schedule. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, against Texas, Florida, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson, it's all the ranked teams LSU played, and those games accounted for 68 percent of his tackles for the season, 81 percent of his tackles for losses. Wow! He does. He shows up. He really shows up. He had 10 tackles and three and a half for loss against Alabama. Six tackles, two sacks against Oklahoma in the semifinals. He really came on at the beginning of the uh, end of the year. I think he got his mojo back. He got his full confidence back. Uh, and I and I do believe, you know, uh, he was motivated by the talent around him. It was a very talented defense, and uh, you had to kind of play to their level. Uh, and he did. I mean, he was he was everything that all you thought he'd be when they recruited him out of Texas. Ron, let me ask you a question. I think I don't know a lot of listeners, and um, you know I didn't even know this. I, I try to follow college football pretty good, but tell me the significance of him wearing that number eighteen jersey. Well, number eighteen here at LSU is a always been held in high regard. It's always given to a very high character player. 
it started with uh, uh, in 2007 with uh, uh, LSU's uh, championship quarterback Matt Flynn, and kind of got passed down. To, uh, it, it's uh, it goes to people on this on this team who are high character, who are leaders, mm-hmm. uh, who are leaders on and off the field, highly respected by teammates. Uh, and he was, you know, the whole year he was hurt uh, last year. Basically, he was rehabbing, but he was also always on the sidelines at games. I was trying to help spot something with his players. Always in film room. You know, like he, did, he didn't he didn't separate himself from the team. He was always trying to help his teammates, uh, uh, and that spoke a, a lot for him. And uh, I, again, it's a reason why LSU went hard after him. Uh, it's a reason why that uh, Ed Orgeron and, his, and an assistant coach showed up at Chase on house at about 2 o'clock in the morning before he's supposed to go visit Florida uh, to put the cell job on him and then followed him to the airport the next morning. Chase on said he almost went through security with me. <laughs> he goes, you know what, as, as crazy as that sounds, he goes, it really mattered to me. It really showed me how, you know, how bad he wanted me. Uh, and uh, he's been a great kid. He, he, he's very articulate, uh, uh and just in every possible way, he's the type of guy you want on your team. He's a very confident guy. Uh, not cocky, but confident. Well, Ron, uh, it's Ron, 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 it's funny you said that. I heard him at the Combine. He basically called himself the best player in the draft, said he's the most valuable player in the draft this year. And you're right, he was articulate, smart. Just he had a very great presence about him, just watching him at that podium. Yeah, he, he, he does. He knows how to handle himself in front of media. Uh, you know, he has that confidence. Is he the most valuable player in the draft? I, I I don't think so, but you know, <laughs> but you know, it's okay. also kind of funny. Also, kind of funny when he said he spoke three languages, and I was trying to figure out what, how that helps you in the NFL. Uh, but uh, he's a very versatile player. He, he is fast enough to drop in coverage. He plays the run better than you think, uh, and his pass rush is tremendous. Uh, somebody's going to get a really good football player in him because of one. Again, another high-character guy who's not a problem and who works his tail off. We are joined by uh, – I'm sorry, Ron, go ahead. I'm Finish up. I'm sorry. Just, just another guy that uh, people, a lot of people want because uh, they, they see him on tape, but once they sit down and interview him, they know they like him. Interesting. We're joined by Ron Higgins, editor of the Tiger Rag. Uh, let's jump to Patrick Queen. I think he's a guy that the Giants, who if they want to add an inside linebacker, would love if he fell to them at the top of that second round. I think that's probably going to be unlikely. He's a guy that I know it's hard to say, but I think he kind of flew under the radar uh, for your team over the course of the year. Can you just tell the fans exactly what type of player Queen is and what he brings to the field as your guy's middle linebacker? You know, in the start of the year, Patrick was, was supposed to play outside linebacker, and uh, the guy they had there, uh, Michael Divinity, uh, just didn't pan out, and they moved him outside, and they put Patrick Queen inside, and he was absolutely fabulous. I mean, he's he's undersized. He is about six. He's about two thirty, uh, but the guy can flat run. Uh, he can. He can. He can. Even as an inside linebacker, he can cover slot receivers, running backs, tight ends. Wow! It's, uh, he can get sideline to sideline quickly. Uh, just his, his diagnosis and process of plays really quick. Uh, you know, changes direction. Just I mean, and go gets to the ball again. Played great in in, in, in big games this year, and, and a lot. You know, he 
he kind of modeled himself after a lot of LSU linebackers who've been back through here in recent le- years. I mean, uh, Quan Alexander, uh, Deion Jones, uh, Duke Wiley, uh, guys like Devin White. He uh, models himself after that. And again, another guy who in LSU's three biggest games of the year, Clem- Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson, had 22 tackles and forced losses, including a, a, a second and a half. A defensive player of the game in the national championship game. Uh, just, uh, I, I, again, another another hard worker, uh, another guy who really came from basically nowhere to really make himself into a great player. And a very, very motivated kid uh, and just uh, just loves playing football, man. Loves playing. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the one position – uh, John, I'm going to go ahead and ask the next question. Yeah, go ahead. The, the, um, one position in the NFL draft this year is the wide receiver position. Um, we talk about a guy who I actually really enjoy watching a lot this year, and that's Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, I believe that he's got a chance to be really good, um, good size. Talk a little bit about him. Um, you know, he's 6'1", so he's not, you know, 6'4", which I like. But I, I just talk a little bit about him and his character. You know, people, they question – the only question about Justin was his with his speed that he went out and ran the four four at the combine and everybody kinda went, Okay, four four three. All right, that that answers the last question. Uh, here's a kid who uh when he came to LSU they he signed like three days after fall camp started because he was waiting for his academics to get straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a smart kid, but he screwed around a lot in high school. He straightened that out. Uh but he got here he got to LSU so late uh and he was uh, kind of undersized it, uh, and he was on scholarship. Everybody thought he was a walk-on, and they gave him a walk-on locker <laughs> with, a, with the walk-ons. But by uh, two months later, he was on the playing rotation. And then uh, as a sophomore, he led LSU in receiving uh, in, in Burroughs' first year with 54, yard, 54 receptions. Uh, played outside uh, receiver. Last year, they moved him inside the slot. He also placed him outside. But last year, just basically just didn't drop hardly any passes. It was just ridiculous. And that was really the whole LSU uh, receiving core. But he was tremendous. And uh, a big playmaker, uh, you know, had the 61-yard touchdown against Texas late in the game that, that broke Texas back. And then against Oklahoma in the playoffs, 14 catches for 224 yards and four touchdowns. And he's a guy that he never quits working on a play. He, he's, he's caught some, some Burroughs' best passes this year by simply Burroughs scrambling around and Jefferson continuing to work to get open. Uh, I, I, another motivated, high-character guy, like, loves to get – I mean, has fun playing the game, uh, kind of pushed the limit – on the on the unsportsmanlike conduct rule in college, by you know, he get he get us a few touchdown dances in real quick before the referee would run over there. <laughs> uh, but he but but he, he loves he, he, I mean, this guy has fun playing the game, and uh, you know everybody on this team were, were, was happy for his his success because they know where he came from and he got when he got here. I mean. He even remembers the locker number he had when he was a freshman because it was like uh, with all the walk-ons. And he gave mm-hmm. they gave him a walk-on jersey number. Uh, uh, and it motivated him, and he's never sure. forgotten that. And, and he and that's why 
any team that's going to get him again is going to get a guy that is going to continually get better because that's what he's done. I want to ask, I want to stick on the offensive side of the ball and ask you about the running back Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know he's a guy that is not going to wow you with his numbers, his size. I'm not sure. You tell me how highly recruited he was, but you watch him play the position. That guy is going to be a really good running back in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and first of all, he's hard to tackle because he's so low to the ground. He's five seven and two A's and two oh seven, but uh, but the, but it's hard to get a hand on him. And then you can't really get him down with the one guy unless you hit him like just head on in a hole. But a lot of times he just – and he has such an array of moves. I mean, first of all, it's hard to find him behind blockers because he, he's small. Mm-hmm. But he has tremendous – like he has he has a great spin move that he almost used every game this year and people still couldn't stop him. He's got great jump cuts uh, that just leave people diving at air. Uh, this year was the first year LSU really emphasized throwing the ball to their backs, and he and he set a, uh, a school record for most receptions by running back with 51. Uh, uh, 36% of his carries last year were for touchdowns or first downs. Wow. Uh, uh, tremendous ball security. Uh, again, runs hungry. Uh, and reminds me a lot, you know, of, uh, reminds you a lot of uh, the guy who was here a couple of years ago, Darius Geis, who basically, as Leonard Fournette once said about Darius Geis, he runs like he hates the ground. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he runs angry, and that's the way. And that's the way Clyde Everett Hilaire runs. He runs angry, and you can't. And like I said, he's tough to bring down. Uh, drags people with him. Uh, Again, like I said, a good pass receiver, not just your swing passes, but against against uh, against Alabama in the last second of the first half. I mean, he ran a route downfield that Burrow threw for a touchdown with like 11 seconds left in the half to cash in a turnover. Uh, it's a play that LSU, the LSU hadn't run all year, but Burrow and, and Everett had worked on it in practice together. Uh, and they ran it perfectly. Uh, again, another this, whoever gets him is going to get a really a really good pro back for for a long time because again, he's a he's just he's your he's a guy you want with the ball in your hands. He's going to do something for you. He'll get you positive yards. Well, John and I we were previewing a couple of the uh, the the guys that were at the Senior Bowl a few weeks ago, and Christian Fulton was a guy that stood out to John. I'm taking your thunder here, John. But um, talk a little bit about Christian Fulton, the guy who a lot of people think he may be the second or third best corner in the in the uh, in the draft this year. A guy who's six foot, good size, good you know, 197 pounds, runs a four four from what I'm seeing online here. Talk a little bit about him and and what he had brought to that LSU Tiger team last year. Uh, just a, a guy, I mean, a, a lock up defender, uh, a guy who just. Uh, doesn't have any technical problems the way he plays. He's got really good footwork. Uh, he, he anticipates uh, really well of where the ball's going and where where receivers are going. Uh, he's great in press man coverage. He can play off man. Uh, you know, and this year he, he probably didn't get tested enough because pe- people teams were stupid enough to go after uh, uh, Derek Stingley Jr., LSU's freshman, who. Uh, Honestly, is probably the best 
defensive back on LSU's team this year, uh, who's uh, definitely a future high first-round draft choice. And but people, all these teams kept testing Derek Stingley Jr. because he was a freshman, and all he did was just basically kept killing them. I don't know why they kept testing him, but they did. <laughs> the, ball came, the ball came Fulton's way. He was really, really good. Uh, you know, he had 14 pass breakups for the season, uh, maybe not enough interceptions. Uh, sometimes his tackling was a suspect. Sometimes he got over-aggressive with the receivers and some penalties, but those, they may not be penalties in the NFL because they let a lot go. Uh, again, someone uh, – you know, he missed a whole year. Uh, he was suspended by the NCA for tampering with a drug test. But what happened was, uh, you know, it was a it was a drug test for a PED, and the kid thought it was a drug test for marijuana. He, smoked, you know, he was a freshman, and he smoked some marijuana one day, and his and. Uh, one of, his, one of his veteran teammates told him, hey, you know, that, that'll, that'll show up on the test. Uh, you, better, you better do something about it. So he tried to change the urine out and got caught. Oh, as, it turned out, as it turned out, it was a test for a PED, not marijuana. It wouldn't have gotten it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they sat him out a year, and they were going to sit him out two years, which was ridiculous. And LSU appealed, and they got him back playing again. And he's been a model citizen ever since. And he learned his lesson. He's uh, uh, walked a straight and narrow one of LSU's team leaders, one of their best players. Interesting. Uh, one other guy that was at the Senior Bowl, unfortunately Fulton dropped out, and we didn't have a chance to see him there. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, the center, and, you know, the, the technique and the blocking is important for the center, but you also need him to kind of be the leader of your line and make the calls and do all those things you need a center to do. Uh, what did you see from Cushenberry over the course of uh, the year, Ron, and we're joined by Ron Higgins, editor of the Tiger Rag, and what he might bring to an NFL team that might draft him? Well, I mean, last year LSU's offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the best offensive line in the nation. And the undisputed leader was Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, you know, uh, converted to center from another offensive position, uh, just has everything you want in the center. And uh, he's got big hand and long arms. He's got a good core strength. His, you know, he, he constantly works on his technique. Uh, he handles. You know, bull rushers. He he, uh, he he knows how to block on an island. I mean, LSU played five man protection most of last season. Yep. Uh, but because they wanted to get so many people out in in, in pass routes, uh, uh, I, I I can't recall him getting called for more than a couple of penalties all season. Uh, a solid guy. Uh, again, another guy who uh, a hungry guy who kind of. Maybe was underrated coming into out of high school, and just kept working and working and made himself into a player. Uh, 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 again, a guy who's not going to give you any problems. He's a good team guy, but I, I, I'll, I've always liked him because he has a, a, a pleasant personality, and he uh, he understood that he had to become a leader, so he had to become more vocal. It may not have been in his personality. But he became a vocal leader last year, made great calls for Joe Burrow upon protections. And so uh, somebody's going to get a bargain in him. I, I mean, I, I, I really think he's probably one of the best two or three centers in the draft. And uh, if you go back and look at your film, you'll see why. Perfect. 
All right, one more question for you. They've got to go to special teams now. We got a senior there, Blake Ferguson, long snapper, right? Of reading, because we're we're talking. You know, there are guys that get drafted in the National Football League at long snapping. Real quickly, just talk to me a little bit about Blake Ferguson. I see that his him and his brother has held this position for the last eight years. That's impressive. Yeah, I think his brother. I think his brother snaps for the Bills. I believe. Mm-hmm. I That's correct. Bills. Uh, this is a snapping family. I mean, uh, <laughs> love it. I'd hate to be, I'd hate to be like uh, you know, at dinner with them uh, at their house, and somebody's gonna, and the you know, go go get me that uh, we go get me that uh, the milk from the kitchen. And they yeah. can probably snap it to the door. Yeah. Or snap uh, me the rolls, will you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this guy's automatic. I mean, really. I mean, it just that's uh, good. It be he's just absolutely automatic. Uh, and he's not a not a bad athlete, actually. I mean, he's, 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 he's overall he's not a, a terrible athlete, and uh, he can run a little bit. But he's just he's just uh, again, LSU's punters and place kickers and, and placeholders have been really spoiled since he's been here because they're really if there's been a bad snap or a drop snap, it wasn't really Blake Ferguson's fault because. Uh, I mean, LSU's punter is also their place kick holder, and he he told me, he goes, you know, he goes, I he goes, I can't remember more than maybe once or twice all year where he snapped me, uh, he snapped me the the ball on place kicks or punts where the laces weren't perfect. <laughs> That's uh, perfect. I like to hear those kind of guys. That makes a big yeah. difference, by the way. Yeah, I mean, he goes, laces were perfect, uh, and. Uh, and so, yeah, again, he may not get drafted, but, again, that's somebody that you want to pick up because yep. uh, he's been virtually perfect his whole career and uh, takes it seriously, you know, works out hard, stays in shape, and uh, understands uh, this is my only job. I've got to be perfect at it. Ron, I want to do lightning round with you really quick. we got a couple more minutes here. Just a couple more guys I want to touch on. I love Damian Lewis at the Senior Bowl. I thought he was just a tank. Nobody could move him. Once he gets his hands on guys, I thought it was game, set, match. Uh, to me, he's your prototypical you know, downhill, bulldozing run blocker at that guard spot. Oh, my God. You saw sometimes film this year was, it was just devastating. He would just actually steamroll guys. Uh, has really, really long, strong hands. He locks up locks up. Uh, Pass rushers. Uh, I've never seen him kind of out of control. You know, he moves really well. Uh, he just, I mean, a better run blocker than pass blocker. But I mean, LSU pass blocked a lot, and, and not much got past him. Uh, he, he, what you saw is a, is a guy who uh, uh, who developed later in his career. But it's just six two three twenty seven. Bench pressed twenty seven times at the combine. I'll tell you a little bit about his strength. How about Sadiq Charles? The Giants are going to be in the market for a young offensive tackles if they don't pick one of the top guys early. What do you think about Charles in terms of a mid-round selection and his uh, potential to continue to improve? Yeah, I, I think he, I think he's a, a a bit of a steal in the sense, uh, you know, he he missed some games this this past season with being suspended by Orgeron for for six games, but when he plays, uh, he picks up blitzes great. Uh, he sustains blocks and accelerates through them. Uh, has a great uh, ability to recover and to slide to pick up backside defenders. I like a lot of Adams. He probably needs a little bit stronger core, 
but again, another guy, six four, and uh, I'm a six five, three twenty one, uh, and uh, an integral part of this line. When when he uh, was available to start, he started, and he was very good at starting. I mean, he was very good. Uh, had the total trust. He, I mean, really, he he was the uh, he was a blindside blocker for Joe Burrow, and Burrow, you know, trusted him implicitly. Thought, thought he was great. Um, I know a lot of the times these schools don't release a lot about the natures of these suspensions. Do you have anything in terms of why he got suspended this year, Ron? Uh, I believe Charles. I believe Charles was more. Uh, I think it was more attendance related. I, I, don't, I don't think it was any failed drug test. I think his was more uh, class related. I believe. I mean, there there's another guy on the team, Michael Devinley, a linebacker. Uh, he was suspended for uh, failing multiple drug tests. Uh, but uh, it wasn't that wasn't the case with, with Charles. It was more it was more class related, not going to class and, and, and constantly just not doing the right thing. But once he kind of got himself straightened out late in the year, uh, he was fine, you know. And, and he seemed to be uh, again, you know, you might not want to take a chance on him because you think he's, maybe his character is not perfect. But I have a feeling he's a guy that once he gets in the NFL and uh, realizes, you know, how good he can be, that all the other stuff will drop off. And then, uh, amazingly enough, Thaddeus Moss might have the most famous name, given his lineage. Um, but I watched him at the Combine uh, in terms of talking to people. He seemed like a, a pretty smart, down-to-earth kid. You know, the fact that his dad is who he is, is doesn't seem to be that big of a deal for him. Um, what can you tell us about Thaddeus Moss and what he can bring um, to the field as a tight end, where really there's so many weapons on the field at LSU. Could he have been more productive, you think, Ron, if he was in an offense that didn't have so many other guys to try to get the ball to? Um, probably so. And even then he set an LSU record for, for most receptions by a tight end in a year. Uh, you know, here's a kid. Uh, he transferred from North Carolina State to LSU. Uh, Sat out a year, and then last year in 2018, he, he hurt his foot like in preseason and never got it well. And so he was waiting to bust loose this year, and he really did. Uh, 6'1", on the 6'2", 250, uh, runs better than you think. Uh, I don't. I hardly ever saw him drop a pass this year. He has great body control. His footwork on, on boundary catches is, is tremendous. A lot of people remember the Alabama game where he made a uh, a catch near the goal, near the goal line uh, while going out of bounds, and uh, they, they had to look at the replay. What happened was a defender shoved him out of bounds, uh, and he jumped back in bounds and, and planted his feet in bounds and caught the ball at, like at the goal line. Uh, and I mean, it was it was ruled LSU's favor. LSU scored. Uh, this kind of shows you his athleticism. Uh, he's a really good run blocker. Guy loved him. He's very physical. Uh, uh, you know, the thing is drawbacks. He maybe maybe he has a lack of moves after making a catch, uh, but he, he he covers the ball up. Good run, good run protection. He covers the ball up when he's running. Uh, again, another high high work ethic guy. Very coachable. Uh, you know, uh, very comfortable with his last name. Uh, you know, he's a guy who. Uh, uh, basically introduced his dad at the Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremony. So, uh, very likable guy and very uh, you know, handles himself well around people. 
uh, well liked. Uh, probably, uh, you know, probably he and Burrow worked a lot early when Burrow got there, and they really had a connection. And like I said, listen, Burrow probably would have gone gone more to Moss, but he had all these options. And, and I, I mean, this is how I get crazy got this year with Burrow. I asked him after one game, I said, I said, how do you decide on who to throw to? Because there's like th- three people open every play. <laughs> and this is awesome. You got to look at you got to look at their. They're, they're filming, and they're like three people open every almost every other play. So I hate to try to throw it to you guys. I said, he goes, well, honestly, I throw the most open one. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, I said, but you have all these other guys open. He goes, I know I do. I goes, I goes, he goes, I just don't see them. I hear from them when I come back at the huddle. They always come back at the huddle and say, hey, I was open. I was open. <laughs> and I tell yeah. him, well, I tell him, I'll point the guy who caught the ball. I said, well, he was more open. I'll get, right. I'll get, I'll get to you. Uh, and uh, again, uh, they have such a wide array of receivers. I mean, they're, I mean, they're Jamar Chase, uh, who won the Blitnikoff Award, is back at LSU this, for this upcoming season. Uh, he'll be a number of one round draft choice. We've got a guy named Terrence Marshall come back to LSU, a big physical guy. He'll, he'll be a high draft choice. And then you have Justin Jefferson, who's in the draft now, who caught 110 balls last year. And again, just didn't drop anything. And, uh, the amount of talent LSU's produced in these last couple of years, that's a that's a, uh, a credit to the recruiting of Ed Orgeron and his staff. Uh, and, and then Orgeron being smart enough to change his offense finally after all these years at LSU of not running an offense that kind of takes advantage of their athleticism on offense. And uh, they did it last year and, and, and produced the best offense in college football history. Ron, we really appreciate the time, um, and you're right, Jamar Chase might be the best of the group, but we have him, he's not even coming out this year, so it's really amazing. Before we say goodbye, just is there anybody that you think we didn't ask you about that you think teams are sleeping on or aren't thinking highly enough of that you saw this year and you're like, boy, this guy is going to be a player and not enough people are talking about him? Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, some guy, somebody who's played through a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of injuries and Really un- un- unselfish player on the defensive line. He's worked a lot of double teams. Uh, Rashard Lawrence, a defensive end and tackle, six two three zero eight. Played all all four years four years at LSU. Uh, again, a, a very much a team player. Uh, you know, he he might not probably drafted later in the draft because they'll, they'll look at his injuries he's had. A lot of a lot of uh, ankle stuff, a lot of leg stuff. Uh, but uh, a tremendous competitor, high motor guy, and again, again, for the benefit of the team, he doesn't mind taking on double teams so his teammates can make tackles. I, I really like, and I, I, again, a very intelligent, uh, cerebral guy. He's Ron Higgins. He is the editor of the Tiger Rag. You can find them at Ron Hig H I G G. On Twitter, Ron, we really appreciate the time today. I know. Yeah, it's, thank you, Ron. I know it's wild sure. times, and we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about the bevy of LSU prospects. We really appreciate it. Best of luck in the offseason. Hopefully, we'll be watching football again come August and September. We're all keeping our fingers well, crossed so. on that. Yeah, I hope so, guys. Take care. Be safe. Hey, you, you too, too, Ron. Thank, thank you, Ron. you so much. I'll be in touch. That's Good Ron stuff. Higgins, editor of the Tiger Rag. Does an excellent job. Jeff, that was really informative, huh? My goodness, and we and we didn't. They still were still about six or seven other players that we couldn't get to, 
it just tells you one guy that I, I think that we forgot to, to really mention was this Grant Delpit. Um, he's probably the one or two safety in the uh, in the draft this year. He's definitely going to be a first rounder from what I've read about it. Um, so again, it just goes to show you how loaded that team was last yeah, you're year. Right, I forgot about um, him. You're right. <laughs> and I think that you know, just looking from the, the notes that I made before our show, I mean, we just kind of passed over him. But you think about all that we talked about about that LSU team. We we didn't even mention this guy who's probably the number one safety in the in the draft this year. So um, it's always good to get other people's perspective. The guys that are you know, he's obviously have seen these guys grow up as freshmen and come through and um, get there and get his perspective on you know the character of these guys which you know you and I both know John means so much to uh, drafting these guys and getting these guys in the NFL to each team you know Jeff I'm going to blame NFL.com for that because I have their prospect list up for LSU and for some Mm -hmm. reason Grant Delpit's not there Oh, wow. And I don't okay. know why. I'm hitting refresh now. Maybe it'll change when I hit refresh on the old computer, but that's why I missed Delpit. Um, but I should, full, I suppose, give people a uh, quick idea. Delpit, as Jeff mentioned, one of the two top safeties in the draft, along with Xavier McKinney. Uh, if you want to throw in uh, the kid from Minnesota, you can too. Uh, kind of more of a coverage guy. Struggled with tackling this year. Uh, good eye for the ball he can cover. Uh, did struggle tackling, as I mentioned. Had an injury he fought through. A lot of people think some of the tackling issues had to do with that. Sure. But, yeah, he could be uh, a mid-to-late first-round pick or maybe a second-round selection, too, if you're looking for a free safety. So, you know, we'll see. If I was to pick one of these guys that we talked about that could be a second-round pick for the Giants, I think it'd probably be Christian Fulton, Jeff, mm. as a guy if he's there. Yeah. Maybe that's somebody the Giants could consider later on. I think any of those offensive linemen, is somebody the Giants could consider, Cushenberry, Charles, or Moss. Yeah, I didn't realize that Fulton actually had backed out of the senior bowl. I know you and I had talked about yep. him, and I didn't realize that he was not there. Yeah, it, it was about um, a day or two before the event. Because when we did the preview, he was supposed was. to be the top corner there. That's and then right. like a day before the event, he didn't show up, which, gotcha. which sucked. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's going to be this draft is going to be pretty interesting as far as some of the players that are chosen. Because you know what? It's some of these positions, they're so deep. Um, that there's going to be so much quality. And that's why I feel like, John, the Giants need to get into that third round because I feel like yeah. they can get a – if they can get up in the third round, higher in the third round, they can get a second-round draft pick in that third round because of all the good players that are in this draft this year. I just hate to see them sitting on the sideline for 60 picks. My goodness, that's a lot. You know? Okay, I agree with you, Jeff. There's one more thing I want to do before we go to a goodbye. Do you know what it is? Oh, we're going to play the game? Did you, don't have you the music. play with Jeff Fiegel? But you don't have the music. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. Oh, wow, you were going, okay, I, it's I don't not even he, Friday. No. Did you play with Jeff Fiegel's? 20 years, thousands of teammates. Does wow. Jeff remember? Probably not. It's time to play. Did you play with Jeff Fiegel's? All right, Jeff, are you ready, sir? Let's go, John. Let's hit it, huh? We're not, when do we get to hear Papa today and his little voice? He says, wow, no, 22 I, years. I, I do not have my sound effects here, and I don't That's have okay. the standings either, so we're just going to have to kind of wing it here a little well, bit. Well, we okay? can write them down, and the next time yep. we get into the building, we'll add to them. Yes, that's true. We will write it down and try to figure that out. Okay. All right, let's go. Did you play with Riddick Parker? Did you play with Riddick Parker? I did play with Riddick Parker. I believe he I I'm going to I'm thinking he was with me with the Cardinals. Was it Parker with the Park Cardinals? Yes, I did. Yes. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> you did play with Riddick Parker, but it was with the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, Seahawks. Seattle right. okay. Seahawks. Right. Close. Do you, remember close. What, do you remember what position he played? He was a defensive lineman. He was. Okay, that is correct. Okay. Okay. So not yeah. bad. Two out of three, but. No, I mean, listen, I went from Cardinals yep. to the Seahawks, so there was yes. a little transition there, so okay. that's not bad. All right. Did you play with Mark 
Higgs. Did you play with Mark Higgs? H-I-G-G-S or H-I-G-S? What? H-I-G-G-S. This tells me you have no idea if you're asking me how I don't. I have no idea. And I don't I don't think I remember a Higgs. And he's probably a basketball player because you're going to try to get me on that, aren't you? Right? No. You played with Mark Higgs with the Arizona Cardinals for six games in 1994. Believe it or not. that's right. Jeff, believe it or not, he has 3,000 career rushing yards. So he had a 900 to 900 yard rushing years with the Miami Dolphins in 1991 and 1992. That's crazy. All right, so 91 and 92. So my, okay, so I came to Arizona in 93 was my first year. Yes. 1991, 92. 93, no, 94 was my first year. Yes, 94 was your first year there. He was, Interesting. In, he was with you during your don't first remember year him. at Arizona. Do you even remember him? You don't. Mm, as a player, don't. Nah, I don't think yeah. I do, actually. I, I did not recognize the name. Yeah, All right, last one, Jeff. I'm, I'm, trying to go, I'm trying to pitch a shutout here and go over three. All right. Did you play with Kevin Knox? Did you play with Kevin Knox? Yes, I did. Kevin Knox was a wide receiver, okay? Um, and I'm going to say he was with Seattle, right? Wah, wah, wah. What? <laughs> Arizona, Arizona. Arizona Cardinals, Arizona my again. friend. And you know, the funny thing about this is, and do you want to laugh? He was a right receiver, though. He was. You know, you're 100% right. Okay. But here, here's the funny thing. I, I actually took the time this morning as Clara was watching, what was he watching, Moana at the time, to, <laughs> to find these players to ask you about. And, he, and here's the joke. So you're 0 for 3, by the way, which is fantastic. So the best part of this is that Kevin Knox plays for the New York Knicks. His oh, dad okay. is Kevin Knox, the receiver for the Cardinals. No So I way. originally was picking Knox to try to fool you, and then I said, hold on a second. I know his dad played football. I better make sure he didn't play with Jeff Eagles. And is oh, my God, serious? he actually played with Jeff Eagles. No way. <laughs> That's crazy, though. I mean, I know the Knox. I know the name for, for the – basketball player but it had no idea was that relation how then, how funny is that that's crazy see to see what this game brings out to us it's just information overload even random, though i went over three today. random dad of a nick i'm trying to fool jeff feagles on and his dad actually played with jeff feagles in crazy. the national football that's how many guys you played with jeff i, I pick a random basketball player and his dad happened to play with you in the nfl that's how crazy the I'm Jeff Eagles connection is. I'm kind of a big deal, John. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, Jeff. All right, 0 for 3. So you're proud of yourself? Good. Go yes, way to go, John. I'm actually feeling really good as I start to wrap up the show. Very nice. All Very right, nice. so we got to some questions. We played Did You Play with Jeff Eagles? We had a great interview. I'm still trying to track down a Georgia guest for tomorrow. I called our guy we usually have on, Jeff, Seth Emerson, unfortunately. He's in a similar situation I am. He is homeschooling uh, two kids that are in, like, elementary school and junior high so he is not going to have time to join us tomorrow so i'm trying to find somebody else that covered georgia that actually has some time i see i gotta find the young kids i gotta find those young people on the beat because Mm -hmm. they're just sitting home watching netflix all day that's right and they're not doing anything then you know people like you who are retired you're kind of relaxing you're just screwing around but you know people like me i got you know it's tough with having kids in the house so i gotta find the people that are either really old like you yeah exactly i gotta find either really old people like you or yeah. really young people that don't have families yet. The that, really that's old, the key. The really old people like me that have raised four kids. And I like I had the fiddle out right now. If you could just see it, me strolling through. 
live for you. Really? I'm wondering how many people actually, John, are gonna gonna want to go into teaching after this uh, little layoff that people are doing homeschooling. Yeah. They probably want nothing to do with teaching, right? It just goes to show you how much we should appreciate all those teachers. Yes. What they do for our kids, and that's I, for sure. And I will certainly never complain about the cost of daycare ever again. Or- no, there you go. Wow. Well. You or at least what? not for a month or two until I get tired of it again. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, you get to spend some quality time <laughs> yes. with your family. That's the good thing about all this that's going on. I think it forces all of us to realize how important it is to get back to the basics with our families and getting to know each other again. And we are definitely getting to know each other again. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I know at my house, that's for sure. Lots of food, right? Lots of food going in and out. It's just amazing. Um, now, have uh, you have you guys had like a go to board game that uh, that that you guys have played together? No, or because you know what? what? You Honestly, um, it's a little different situation in my house because I have two that are still in college that are actually doing schoolwork here. Oh, so they okay. and they actually have night classes. Oh. So you know they're um, we got classes going on during the day. My son is home from New York. Um, he's working at home. I'm working at home, and the two other boys are doing classwork. So we don't have a lot of time for board games. We really don't. Everyone busy except for dad. I am busy too. <laughs> I, did the, I did my yard work. I did the spring cleanup yesterday. Oh, did you really? I was yeah. going to say, all, all jokes aside, how, how is Jeff Fields keeping himself busy? Are you doing like some like punting in the backyard? What are you doing? No, no punting. Can't do that anymore. But, you know, doing a lot of yard work and doing some things that, uh, you know, it feels good to get outside and do some things. You guys got to, you should get outside, John, and start cleaning up that yard. Well, uh, well, my friend, I am watching my child, and then when she is napping or at night, I am trying to actually get some. I'm trying to watch some college tape, to be quite honest with you. Right. It is funny, though. Every morning, I'm trying to take the dog and Clara out for a walk, and it's you. Most people do a pretty good job with, with the social distancing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But there are other people that just don't seem to care. I mean, come on. And, right? and, and, and I have a dog, and I have a little two and a half year old riding her little so it's red. It's hard for you to move. Well, and she's riding like her little red tricycle. So yeah. I can't like go to the side onto the grass. She's riding a bike, and some of, especially the joggers, they're like, "I'm moving fast, so I'm just gonna w- run right right by you." It's like that's not how this works, no. folks. No, it's that's not. That's not how this works. Move your butt over to the side. Run, please. run by me quickly within with outside of six feet. I mean, please. six feet's not that far away. You just gotta move over a little bit. I mean, come on now, people. I have a kid with me. Give me a break yeah. here. We all gotta do our share of uh, di- social distancing. That's for sure. Yeah. So let's get better at that, will you, people? Yes, and, and folks, here's the thing. The better we are at it now, the quicker things will get back to normal. It's not going to be fast, period. 100%. But the better we are at this part of it, the faster we're going to be able to get back to normal. And That's my right. goodness, don't all of us want that, please? Yeah, we all do. And we just, you know, hopefully it happens sooner or later. But in the meantime, we all have to do our best to help everybody. Exactly. We're all in this together, folks, and let's do the best we can. Jeff, always fun, my friend. Thank you, Johnny. All right, I'll be back with Lance Meadow tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll, of course, post the episode as soon as it's done. We're trying to get a Georgia guest on. We'll see if I can pull that off for the remainder of the afternoon. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm John Schmelk. We thank our guest, Ron Higgins, for joining us. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.